It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. I love that Jane Mitchell keeps a list of quilts she wants to do on her phone. I could just picture myself looking through such a list and looking forward to the time that I would get to make each one. As she makes each quilt, she wants to conquer the pattern or technique, and then she's ready to move on to the next quilt. Jane, I'm so excited that we get to finally have our chat. It's been a while that we've been trying to get together, so thank you so much for being on A Quilter's Life. Well, thank you, Paula. I appreciate the opportunity. Let's start with where were you born and raised? I was born in Birmingham, Alabama, and raised about 30 miles from the city on a farm with my family. I have two brothers and four sisters, so we had a fairly large family growing up, so about 30 miles out of Birmingham. And can you share a special childhood memory? My mom sewed a lot. She made all of our clothes for the most part until we were early teenagers. So I guess my memory would be of her being at a sewing machine basically all summer long trying to get us clothed for the next fall. With that many kids in your family, that must have been a big undertaking for her. It was, and by golly, she was a really good seamstress, so she did a great job and passed along her talents to me and my sisters, and I don't claim to be anywhere near where she was because I worked pretty much my entire life, but she did teach us the basics really well. Can you tell me about your employment? Yes, I came out of high school thinking I was going to take a part-time job at a radio station in Birmingham, and I wound up getting that job, and I was going to make money to go to college, but I never left. Well, I left 20 years later, so I worked for a local country station that, you know, it was cool to be country back in the day. It's still cool to be country, but Within about a year or so of me being there, the station and country music in general just went through the roof. And so in the late 70s, early 80s. So I was really fortunate to be in a position to work at the number one station in Birmingham and sometimes the entire state of Alabama, pretty much my entire radio career with that station. I left after about 20 years and moved to other stations as our companies were bought up and bought out. I stayed in radio about 35 years, but I think back on that time and it was just such a special, special time in country radio. How exciting. What was your position at the station? Well, I started out being a receptionist and moved through the offices, if you will, and did promotion and marketing work. And then the majority of my 
career, I was in sales and sales management. Sales can be hard. No, sales is really easy if that's what you're supposed (laughs) to be doing. (laughs) Trust me, if you have a knack for that, sales just happens all the time, whether you realize it or not, you're always selling. And so that was sort of my personality and my style. And it went really well for me. But I have friends who, like you're saying, they were not natural born sellers. So it was tougher for them. And I think in sales, when you love your product or your station, that probably made it go easier too. Yes, absolutely. I have very high belief in my personality. So yeah, working for the number one station in the city and being there, I was like the most tenured person there after about a year because of the changes and everything. So I basically grew up in that station from a job standpoint, you know, as a young adult. And I knew all the ins and outs and it just sort of happened and it was a great time. That is so neat. Where do you live now? I live in a very small community called Corner, Alabama. It's the corner of three counties and we have a high school and that's about it. So. My husband and I have a farm and we have lived here all of our lives. I went to high school at Corner High School. So we live, I tell everybody it's downtown Corner and with one red light, that doesn't take long for people to understand exactly where I live. (laughs) I think Marietta, where we live is a little bit bigger than that, but we tease about having the rush minute. Yes, 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 yes. Our rush minute or three minutes is when the middle school let out and all the moms or grandmothers that are not working line up the side road to pick up children. And it's like, oh, my gosh, where are all these people coming from? And then you realize, oh, they'll be gone in two minutes. (laughs) Besides quilting, are there other crafts you do or have done? Well, with work, I never had time for a hobby or doing any crafts. And about 10 years ago, I retired and my two daughters were both pregnant at the same time. So my sisters were all quilting and all, and I got into quilting that way. They wanted to help me make baby quilts. And the only other thing that I do hobby-wise is I crochet. So Right now, I'm making four little sweaters for four little girls doing a crochet pattern. Are they all the same color or are you making them out of different yarn? Oh, my gosh. We have to do different. I mean, these little girls, they're 10 and under. Two of them are 10. And then we have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old or six-year-old. She just had a birthday. They have to have their own special colors. Well, my next question is, do you think your hobbies show up in your quilting? Hmm, That's a good question. Maybe yes, to some degree. I've made a few farm quilts. They're not art quilts by any means, but just whimsical type quilts. But as far as the hobbies, not really, but life does for sure. Yeah. 
your sisters helped introduce you to quilting. Was there anyone else? No, it was my sisters. When I worked, my mom was always working on quilts. But like I said, until I retired, I just didn't have time to do anything like that. But my sisters wanted to help me make the baby quilts. And both of our girls were pregnant at the same time. And they had babies within 10 days apart. So it was almost like having a set of twins around. So my sister told me, well, come on, we're going to go to the fabric store and you can pick out some fabric. And that really was my introduction to quilting. Once I got into it with those baby quilts, it just sort of went from there. It does seem to snowball. Oh, yes, it does, as does your fabric. (laughs) And tools and supplies and everything else. Do you have a favorite quilt, whether it's one you made or someone else's made, or a special pattern that you like to use? I think my favorite quilt would be my very first quilt as a grandmother. And I know this is going to sound a little goofy, but I found this fabric, and the name of it was Mimi. And with my little granddaughters, that was what I was going to be called. So I knew that that was just a sign that I needed to buy that fabric. So I bought the layer cakes and the charm packs. And my sister helped me put a very simple pattern together that was a cathedral window. But it was that easy cathedral window, not the little tiny small. This was like a 20 by 20 block, if you will. But because it was so pretty color-coordinated, not colors I would have chosen, but the blend was so pretty, you know how charm packs and layer cakes are, that has turned out to be my favorite quilt. Oh, cool. And isn't it fun to see those grandkids enjoy their quilts? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They tell me constantly, Mimi, I need a quilt for this or whatever, you know, and their moms are like, mother, please, we can't, I have no more room for quilts. So it's a hard choice to go in between, but normally the little girls win. (laughs) So what tool are you so happy that you have when you're quilting? The tool that I think I love the most is that rotary cutter. I cannot imagine cutting pieces out with scissors. That made a huge difference, didn't it? Oh, yes, it did. You know, you can look at the whole quilting industry and realize what that rotary cutter and ruler did for speeding up the entire process. Mm -hmm. Is there a part of the process that is your favorite part or do you like the whole process of quilting? I do love the whole process. I love thinking about a quilt. Prior to getting started on it, I like drawing it out on the graph paper. And in my mind, I want to see how that quilt's going to look. But in reality, binding is probably my favorite. I know there are people that hate binding. But when I started quilting, that mitered corner wore me out. So I spent time with bias tape and just worked on my miter corners until I could get it together. But binding 
you know, you can put on a good movie and sit down and just enjoy the movie, enjoy the binding, hand sewing it back on. And it's so close to the end of the process and I get to check it off my list. And I think that that's why I like that part so much. I'm finding there's a couple areas in quilting that there seems to be two camps and that's one of them is binding. People either love it or hate it. There doesn't seem to be an in-between. I agree with you on that. And I spend a lot of time talking to people. I have done some small classes from church and that sort of thing where people want to quilt. And we talk about binding a lot because I try to get them to see the process as you're nearly finished and you can kind of sit down and relax a little bit and you're ready to gift the quilt rather quickly. So that's just my philosophy on it. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of laughing at myself because sometimes when I'm working on the binding, it's like, oh, this quilt is for so-and-so and and I'm going to have to give it away after I finish. (laughs) I feel like I slow down. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Tell me about your worst quilting experience. Okay. Now, this is a great story, and everything I love about quilting revolves around stories because there's a story with everything. I mean, no matter who you're talking to about a quilt, they'll stop down and tell you the quilt story. So my daughter's mother-in-law had a bout with cancer. And when I found out about that, you know, it was just breaking my heart. But I thought, oh, I'll make her a quilt to take to chemo and that sort of thing. So I made her a quilt that used the pattern Storm at Sea. And that was the wrong pattern for me to use. But in reality, she was going through storms. I mean, you know, her life was being turned upside down. And I thought at the time it was the perfect pattern. I didn't know how complicated it was. So I'm making the quilt. It's turning out fine. The quilt top, I was making a throw. And the quilt top turned out great. And then I found out, oh, they're moving her treatments up. So that put me in a rush to get that quilt finished because in my brain, I thought I needed to give it to her before her very first treatment. So I started quilting that thing on my sewing machine and I did such a horrible job. I mean, I look back on that and I think, oh my gosh, I couldn't have done a worse job in quilting that storm at sea quilt. And I stopped two or three times and just cried. I was like, oh Lord, I'm just doing a terrible job. And then would start back up again thinking about what she was going through. So the afternoon that I finished it, I took it over to her. Oh, and in the squares, I did pictures of her family because that's her life and her love. And the pictures did not turn out good. They didn't print well. I mean, everything that could go wrong with that quilt went wrong. But I pushed through and I thought, I've got to put my feelings aside and just, you know, if she just lets the dog sleep on it, so what, you know? Anyway, I take it over to her that afternoon, and she didn't know it was coming. And it turned into a very tearful 
event because even though I thought the quality of the photos were bad, it didn't matter. Those were her children and grandchildren and memories that we had captured, you know, throughout the two or three years. And so it was bad for me and I was embarrassed about my work and rushing through it. But yet for her, which I think is this is very common with a lot of quilt stories. She didn't even know all of that. She didn't notice how bad the quilting was, or if she did, she didn't tell me. And she's the type that would have told me. (laughs) You know, I look at that and think when people are complaining about their quilt not laying flat or it puckered too much or it wrinkled too much or whatever, I always try to remind people in a positive way that these quilts are for comfort and therefore snuggling and consoling people and keeping people warm. I mean, there's a ton of things that quilts are all about beyond did the seams pucker or did the quilting lay flat, etc. So that is my crazy little story of a reminder of what really the quilt is doing what it's supposed to do. And that was bringing her comfort during a time that was very trying for her and showing her that we loved her and that we were there with her. How precious. I can only imagine the tears that flowed. Oh, it was a crazy afternoon for everyone knowing what was going to start the next day. And I could see easily why you had in your mind that you needed to get that quilt to her before it started. Yes, and that I rushed myself through it. Looking back, I could have said, oh, well, if I had spent two more days quilting like I should have done, the quilt would have done so much better. But that's not what was important at the time. I felt like it was important for her to be able to carry it at eight o'clock in the morning to that first treatment, you know. Yeah. She's doing great now, and I hope she still loves the quilt. (laughs) I'm sure she does. You probably will never know how much it meant to her that morning. You're right. I'm sure she still enjoys it, and she's not the type to tell me too much about what it meant to her, but I know she loves it. Yeah. Jane, do you know what has drawn you to want to make quilts rather than spending your time doing something else? Yes, I do. It's the level of creativity that comes about. I analyzed that after two or three years of quilting and thinking, well, I've made everybody a quilt that I can make. Why do I want to make more? Why do I have so many patterns and my stash continues to grow. Why do I keep thinking about the next quilt and the next one? You know, I've got a list of about 28 quilts that are waiting to be done. And I have that list on my telephone. And every now and then I'll just scroll through and go, oh yeah, I can't wait to do that one. So being in radio all those years, I have that creative side about me. And I think that this is just that outlet. Plus, people love quilts. And when you 
take time to make a quilt and you take time to buy all the fabric and we all know what that cost. It's really an act of love when you make a quilt for someone and no matter what they're going to do with it, it's an act of love and showing them that, hey, I cared enough about you that I spent weeks or months making this for you. And the story behind it, there's always a story. And I always say this to everybody. There are some of the best stories behind quilts. and so. That's what pulls me in. Yeah, we're just drawn to it. It's great. So who do you usually make your quilts for? Well, I went through that season of making them for family and then friends and then keeping some of them and using them for wedding presents and things along those lines. But I have a few customers that will call up and ask me to make special quilts. I have to tell you this great story. This is like the best quilt story for me, if you have the time. Oh, yeah. Please share. Okay. So I got a call from this lady, and she was a cousin of my husband's cousin, so a cousin on the other side of the family. And she called and said that they were cleaning out their grandmother's house, and she had some quilt tops, and would I be interested in quilting them? And of course, I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be great. So she brought me the quilt tops and she just told me to do whatever I thought. So the quilt tops went back to one of them went back to her great grandmother and then the others were from her grandmother. So I tried to find backing that would make that quilt really stand out and be pretty, but be as much in that time frame as I could do. So I got the quilts all finished and was just falling in love with each and every one of them. And I called her up and I was like, hey, I want to make a special label for the back. If you don't mind, gather some information and let me know. And I'll put that in a label so that as these quilts are passed along, the story is there. So she was like, okay, great, fine. She called back in about a week or a week and a half, so excited. And this is the clincher of the story. Her great-grandmother made at least one, if not two of those quilts on the land that I live on. So that lady had an older house, like an old farmhouse that she lived in that is right where my driveway is. So those four quilts, or at least two of them, I think, those tops were made in the space of my driveway. And then 50 years later, 50 plus years later, they come back to the same address to be quilted. And to plan that if you tried, that's amazing. That is just totally amazing. So the story keeps going. So that was in 2018. And that just blew my mind with the ins and outs of the way that that came about. The lady lives in Tampa and just remembered that I quilted and called. But then in 2020, I had to run into Hobby Lobby to get fabric to make some curtains for a women's shelter that I was doing some volunteer work for. 
and I'm running in pretty fast and everybody's got on their mask in early 2020. So I've got my mask on, I'm in the store and getting, you know, 20 yards of fabric. So the lady asked me, oh, are you making a quilt? At that very time, this guy walks up who has a mask on and he heard the word quilt and he interrupts and says, I'm looking for someone to make a quilt. So my head is going back and forth like a ping pong table, you know, and I'm trying to answer her saying, no, I'm not making quilts. I'm making curtains. But then the gentleman turns around and is like, I'm looking for someone to fix a quilt that I have inherited. So anyway, long story short, I wind up talking to him a little bit more and telling him that I would help him with his quilt. And it turned out as we got into everything, he was another grandson of the same grandmother that had the quilts in the attic that I had worked on two years earlier. So, no, you can't make those things up. That was the most bizarre. It's like, oh my gosh, here we go again. I can't believe that we're coming full circle with another round of quilts. So was the one that he was wanting fixed one of the ones that you had finished a couple years earlier, or was it a totally different quilt? Totally different quilt top. We did the same thing, though, for him and got him a great backing and put the quilt together. His original thought was he wanted to add borders to it to turn it into a king. And before I knew everything that I knew, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. You leave that quilt top as it is. And if you're going to quilt it, you want to keep the integrity of that top that the lady made. You don't want to add to the top. So I'm just like debating with him and arguing, saying, do not make it into a king. Keep it the way it is on top, but then just quilt it and turn it into what she would have made had she finished the quilt. So all of that made sense. And that's about when he started saying, well, my cousin got some quilt tops a couple of years ago and some lady quilted those and they turned out really good. And I've been holding on to mine and now I want to have it quilted. And that's when we were both looking at each other like, oh, goodness, you know, there can't be another story like that. (laughs) Especially in the same town. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I was like 20 miles from my home. And it turns out that he lives about 10 miles from me, but we didn't know each other. Yeah. So what are you working on right now? Well, I am finishing up one project and I have another customer that wants a quilt for Christmas for a half sister that she didn't know she had until about a year ago. So she called me about a month ago and said, hey, I know we've got plenty of time, but I just want to go ahead and tell you I need a king size quilt for Christmas. And I chuckled and said, no, you have plenty of time. I've got other projects, you know, ahead of you. So I am going to have to squeeze her in and make her a king size quilt for a half sister that is moving here sometime during the winter, but she wants to give it to her for Christmas. And you can imagine the story that's all behind all of that, you know. (laughs) So did she help you pick out the fabric? 
No, she just sort of leaves it up to me. She tells me what she's sort of looking for, and then I send her some ideas and designs and patterns. She doesn't know too much about quilting, although her mother does, and I think her mother helps her along in making the decisions on colors and things like that. But I'll send her patterns and whatever catches her eye is what we go with. Mm. Interesting. Do you have a favorite color palette? Do your fabrics tend to lean one way rather than another, or do you like a variety? I would have told you 10 years ago that I was a jewel tone person. Everything about my personality would have been bright, bold, deep colors, etc. And I didn't really care for blue. And I think it was based on growing up and coming through that time frame where everything was blue, you know, how colors come and go. But a friend of ours, her daughter got married and I was going to make her a quilt. And as I was talking to my friend, I was getting her to tell me a little more of her daughter's personality. And she said, well, you know, she's very traditional and she absolutely loves cornflower blue. And I'm like, what? That kind of blue, you know, it's not really a sky blue, but it's close and that kind of thing. And I talked to one of my sisters and I was like, what is this blue? I mean, I need to see it to know exactly what that is. And it turns out that my mom had made curtains for one of the bedrooms in her house and had given me fabric that was that exact color. And it was another one of those, I could not have planned this any better. So I made her that quilt out of the fabric that my mom had given me easily 10 years earlier. And so now I love that color of blue. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. When I think of cornflower blue, the only time I've really seen that listed in the color was with the DMC gloss I use for my cross stitch. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And it's crazy that I knew the color of blue. I mean, I knew that color. But my sister had to explain that's what that color name is. And she's great with colors. I'm terrible with colors. But it's funny that I had that fabric and my friend used that name of color as well. Yeah, it's kind of a specific color, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. Please share a quilting tip. What I tell people that come and want me to teach them to quilt or we get into talking about quilting or whatever. I tell people to enjoy every process. And if there's something that they don't like doing or they're not good at doing, to spend some time studying that element of quilting and practice it, you know, just practice and don't beat yourself up over whether it is quote unquote perfect or not. And the biggest thing is a quilt, once you wash that quilt, it's going to wrinkle and pucker and 
take a shape of its own by where the stitches are and how different fabrics will shrink at different rates, which will turn the quilt into something. It's kind of magical for me to get it through the first wash and to see how the stitches create those wrinkles. I don't know. I just try to tell people to enjoy all of it and to leave perfection wherever you need to leave it because a quilt is not about being perfect. It's about the love and the story and the time and sometimes prayers that are put in that quilt for the people that get to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I'm a little curious. Every quilt you make, has it been for a specific person or have you ever made a quilt just to make a quilt? In the very beginning, I made quilts for specific reasons and people. But then I started making quilts just because I wanted to try that pattern or I wanted to see what that was going to look like. But again, as time has gone on and I've got a few customers that call again, it's a blend of all of that. The quilts that I have on my phone that I'm designing in my head and trying to figure out what pattern I'm going to use and that sort of thing, or the kits that I bought. I have no clue where those quilts will go, but I want to do those quilts. I want to conquer that pattern. And I think that might come from that storm at sea that conquered me. I want to conquer the pattern or the technique, that sort of thing. Then I want to move to the next quilt. Whether the recipient loves that quilt or not, I doubt that there is a recipient that will love the quilt any more than the maker loves it. It's a passion for people. And there's not another, I mean, there are other hobbies out there, but for us to spend as much money as we spend and as much time thinking and planning and then making to give it to someone there's this level of generosity that comes from quilters. And that's a common thread that I see with everybody. It's just, you just love making it and giving it away. I don't know why. You just do. I love this attitude. I try my best to get my head around the fact that once I give it to someone, it's not mine anymore. It's theirs. And whatever they do with it, they do with it. In my head, I have a goal. I make them for my great nieces and nephews and my husband's one of 10 and I'm one of four children and we have a lot, a lot of great nieces. Yes. Probably heard me say that on some other episodes. So I'm always seem to be 10 quilts behind. Exactly. But my goal is hopefully someday when I can retire from my job that I could get caught up on that and one of my nieces, they were able to do foster to adopt. As I was making the first quilt for the one little boy that they ended up adopting him, but I knew when I was making it and putting his name on it, that if he wasn't adopted by them, he would have this quilt to go with him in the foster system. It would have his name on it. In my mind, I would love to make quilts for foster kids with their name on it. It's something that's theirs. 
anyways, that's where my heart is, but I, I can't do it at this point in my life. Yeah. Well, maybe you will get a chance to, and it seems like if that's your heart, that some way, somehow that that will come about. And I have to tell you that I told you that I didn't start quilting or anything until after I retired. And that's true. But at church, I sat with a lady who was older than my mom, and she made quilts for babies, and she made them during a time when they had all the little panel quilts. And she would ask me, well, do you know anybody that wants a quilt? And so I got into her story, and she was making all these little baby quilts that were just the baby size. Well, I started buying them from her because I worked right above one of the foster care centers, if you will. That's when the babies or the children would come into that facility and then be sent out to families. And I would just buy them like 10 and 15 at a time to give her money for her to do something else. And she would bring them to me on Sunday. I would take them on Monday and drop them off at the foster care unit. And they were that same way. They had these bags and they said, these children come in with nothing. And we try to put a duffel bag together for them. And that's what they were using the quilts for. So time goes on and I'm spending a ton of money with this lady just to give her money to go buy more fabric to make more quilts. And so by the time she passed away, I was through with one job and kind of in between jobs. Anyway, I wound up with about 20 quilts in my possession. I just stuck them in the closet and they didn't get in my way. So time goes on and one of my friends, a young lady that sort of latched onto me, had passed away and we had done her funeral at night. And I was coming back from that funeral and the Holy Spirit impressed upon me that babies, babies, babies were coming into the kingdom. And I had to pull over on the side of the road and just listen. I'm like, what are you saying? You know, babies are coming into the kingdom. And so by the time I got home, I knew that I was supposed to put a Facebook page together and it's called Babies, Babies, Babies. And there were five or six things on that page that I was to tell women who wanted to get pregnant that they were supposed to do. Number one, I was supposed to give them one of those baby quilts, which I did. We wound up giving out about 30 of them. But that they were supposed to pre-dedicate the baby. Don't wait until the baby's here and take it to church and dedicate it. You dedicate it before you even get pregnant. Another item was that if you see a mom in need, go buy what she needs and give it to her so that you are sowing seed. Another element was to write down a strong game plan on how you plan on raising these children for the Lord, not just raising children, but how are you going to influence them? for the kingdom. So anyway, I came home that night and I got home about 1130 or so. And by about 1231 o'clock, I was through with that Facebook page. And it's very simple and it's very much to the point. 
So the next morning I get up and the Lord says, well, you need to call this particular lady. Her name was Kim and tell her these things. And I'm thinking, well, I know who that girl is, but I don't know anything about her life. But okay, Lord, if you want me to tell her, I will. So I called the girl that morning and she was at the beach and she starts crying and she says, can you hold on a minute? I'm like, yeah, yeah. She goes and gets her family, puts me on speakerphone and makes me go through that entire process again. So I did. And she said, well, you don't know my story, do you? And I said, no, Kimberly, I know who you are, but I don't know anything about you. They had been trying for 10 years to get pregnant. They had spent thousands upon thousands of dollars with in vitro. I gave her the quilt when they got home. And girl, within less than a year, she's pregnant. And that day, when I got back home, my daughter had invited friends over to swim. And these are all young ladies. And they're all out at the pool. And I go out there and I'm like, y'all are not going to believe it. This is the most bizarre thing I've ever done. And I told them from the babies, babies, babies from the night before to the Kimberly story, which ironically, they all knew the Kimberly story. One of the girls that was there that was a teacher with my daughter had just had a miscarriage. And she started crying and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, and she said, would you tell me everything again to do? So I tell her again, I'm repeating it because it's just like rolling off my tongue because of the direction that I felt like the Lord had given me. From there, my daughters started telling their friends because they were the ones that knew which friends wanted to get pregnant and which ones couldn't and that sort of thing. So within just about three or four months, we had given away all of those 30 blankets to these women. So there were 30 women that were going to follow this little guideline, if you will. Okay, so my daughter, who's a teacher, starts keeping up with it. And she would call every now and then, mom, so-and-so's pregnant. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is wonderful. She kept up with it. Every one of those women, except one, got pregnant within a year to a year and a half. Our minds were blown. And the one that didn't get pregnant, she adopted either two or three foster children. And it's that kind of love And so the lady that started those quilts has no clue. She's dead and gone, but she has no clue that those 30 quilts that I held back for whatever reason was an instrument of faith for these women and that they wound up getting pregnant. Tell me somebody that could make that up. No, that's amazing. You can't make this stuff up. Mm Mm-mm. So those baby quilts that you want to make for foster children, I just believe that the Lord is going to find a way for you to be able to squeeze your time in and fulfill that calling because that's a huge calling. The one woman that never got pregnant, she had some medical issues and she just couldn't get pregnant but still wanted babies. But she got one of the quilts. And then about three months ago, my daughter sent me an email that this lady had sent her. And she said, you know, when I got that quilt, 
we were really hoping for a little child. They were able to adopt the first child that they fostered, but she said that baby would not accept that quilt. And she said, we would try to cover the little girl up. And it was, no, 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 I don't want that quilt. And she said, but ironically, we have another baby. It's a little boy. And he won't go to sleep without that quilt. So she said, when I put that quilt up in the closet after her little daughter rejected it, she had cried because she thought, well, why did I get this quilt, you know, and my little girl's not wanting it. She said, Only God knew that the little boy would be here within two or three years and would need that quilt. So, again, they were all little panel quilts with little baby designs on it. It was self-binding, so the binding came around from the back and stitched on. But, again, the love that Miss Wynn put in those quilts, and I know she prayed over them. I know she did because she was a prayer warrior. And then a good 10 years after she passed away, they got to start coming to fruition. The fruit started showing with those quilts through babies, babies, babies. Wow. Is there anything else you wanted to share? No, Paula, I think that you have covered everything. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to um, share my love of quilt stories and maybe encourage people to relax with their quilting and enjoy the process. Well, thank you so much, Jane. I really enjoyed visiting with you. I had to look up on my website and put your name in and it not come up to realize I never got to talk to her. Exactly. Exactly. But now we both know that the timing was, we are right on track right now. Yeah. Thank you so, so much. Well, thank you too. I've enjoyed it with you as well, Paula. And thank you for being a listener to the podcast also. Exactly. And sharing the story. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.